This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Stephen Schwartz, and we cover a little bit of everything from early mentors to the effect Gypsy had on him to instincts and critics and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Stephen Schwartz. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Stephen Schwartz. Stephen, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Hey, Clayton. Good to be with you. Thanks. There's so much I want to talk about from your career. I promise I'm not going to make you list the resume, <laughs> but I am curious before we get into any of that. Uh, growing up, what were your entertainment dreams? Well, I knew really early that I wanted to write for musical theater. Um, my parents were theater goers, and I grew up on Long Island, relatively proximate to New York City. Um, I was interested in music and being a writer right from the get-go, and it turned out that my parents lived next door to somebody who was a composer. His name was George Kleinsinger, mm. and he was actually working on a Broadway musical, which was an adaptation of a successful, what we would now call a concept album that he had done. Uh, the album was called Archie and Mehitabel, and the adaptation um, was called Shinbone Alley. And while it ultimately was not successful on Broadway, um, partly because it featured a large course of singing and dancing cats, and therefore seemed uh, to have missed the appropriate timing for such a thing. Sure. Um, but it, uh, nevertheless, my parents took me to see it. And I had that sort of epiphany that many people, I think, who then fall in love with theater and want to go into that as a profession, um, I experienced that as well. And therefore, my musical interests from that point on were um, geared towards musical theater. Was there a following defining moment for you when you were deciding 100% this is what you would do? Or was that the moment? I think that was the moment. And then we started going to see other shows, um, revivals of classic musicals at City Center. I saw, you know, South Pacific and Brigadoon and Finian's Rainbow and I was uh, lucky enough as a kid to see the original productions of Gypsy and My Fair Lady and West Side Story and really great musicals. So it, it basically just um, just escalated from that first experience. What did your parents teach you about work ethic? Um, well, they were pretty hard workers, both of them. My dad uh, was, a, they're both retired now, of course. My dad was a businessman and started a couple of businesses, which of course, um, requires an enormous amount of hours. Uh, my mom was a teacher. She ran uh, the Head Start program for the Roslyn Public Schools. So, you know, both of them were working people. Um, and uh, yeah, I always had a pretty strong work ethic for the things that I wanted to do. Was there a um, thought process for you in terms of composing when you're creating something new that has never before existed, to have the confidence to do that and think, oh, I can contribute to this. Was there any doubt in those early days starting off and creating new pieces of theater? 
I think I have more doubt now oh. than I did then. Okay. Because <laughs> I know more. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think I, I, I really didn't know very much about how difficult this was supposed to be and how easy it was to fail. And so I was pretty confident and arrogant in the early days. And uh, uh, now I'm a lot more wary. Yes. No, that makes, I can see, I can, it's the naivete. It's the not knowing. Yeah, when, the, 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 the ignorance was really bliss in that case. Exactly. Exactly. Um, working uh, over at RCA Records as a producer, I'm curious, any standout lessons from communicating with artists or best business practices? Were there any takeaways from that time in your life? Well, the major takeaway was just learning about the recording studio and how that actually worked. Mm. I sort of blundered into the job based on a couple of demo records that I had done where I just went in and played and sang. And I really didn't do any of the recording. But then suddenly I was in the A&R department and was working in the studio. So uh, I was basically being paid to go to um, recording school. And I had to catch up pretty quickly. Um, I think I also learned to trust my instincts a little bit as to what I thought was um, good and what wasn't. There were a couple of um, instances where I um, tried to prevail upon RCA to sign artists that they passed on and then... They they turned out to be Harry Chapin and things like that. Mm. So I, I came to um, kind of trust my judgment a little bit. Also, I sort of got into um, recommending what cast albums RCA might um, pursue. And again, they didn't listen to me very often, but I tried to get them to do Follies, for instance, sure. So um, which they didn't. Um, yeah, so I, I think I came to it, it. It just increased my my early youthful arrogance. Yeah, <laughs> that's that won't be the title of the episode. The uh, um, gut instinct and that intuition. How have you gotten better at listening to that, staying true to yourself? I think I've learned how to do it better and how to trust it more, hmm. and I've also learned how to separate what is truly an instinct from what becomes um, a question of ego, of, 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 of wanting to prevail with one's opinion sure. just because it's one's first opinion. I think I've gotten a lot better at knowing where to really take, make a stand and where to be much more open to other people's points of view. And is that learned from communication? listening to how far someone else is pushing a point or it's all internal? Uh, no, I think it's totally learned from experience, yeah. um, from realizing many, many times where I thought strongly I was right and then turned out not to be, um, or um, also realizing that there's not just one right answer, yeah. that um, you know there, there are many solutions to a given problem in musical theater. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be my way or the highway. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. That there can be more than that. There's usually a couple right answers, especially when making art. It's just, which one's the best. 
And that's the yeah, or 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 which one works for that particular team. Yeah. Um, you know, not every answer is valid, but also there isn't just one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that really has come with experience mm-hmm. by by doing a lot of shows and working with a lot of very talented collaborators. Is there a particular show or project that taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount? Um, I, I don't know that there's one. I mean, I, I learned a lot uh, from various experiences. I'm, I think I learned a lot about writing lyrics when I worked on rags with Charles Strauss, because uh, it turned out that we worked music first. Charles always had the music first. And then I had to, um, figure out how to set the lyrics to those mu- to the music. And, um, you know, I made a lot of false starts and mm. um, a lot of uh, errors that I then learned uh, much, much more technique. I think up until that time, I was going basically on instinct mm. and I developed some craft there. Um, and yeah, I just think one does learn from one's failures I, you know, I think more than successes in some ways, which kind of are, are lucky accidents. <laughs> um, sometimes you work just as hard or probably a lot harder on shows that don't work. Um, and you don't always solve them or you don't solve them the first time around, but, um, but you learn a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I learned from, guess it was children of eden when that originally didn't work in london and then there was a lot of interest in continuing productions of the show and i got all the reviews from london which i had not read um and read them all in one sitting there were about 40 of them and i didn't pay any attention to what um, whether it was an important critic or someone just, you know, writing something on a, of course there weren't blogs in those days, but you know, a a little radio review or little local review, I just read everything. Hmm. And I began to see, Oh, here are the places where we did not communicate successfully what we were trying to do. Hmm. Um, and so I learned as one was working on something to try and at certain points to check in and get a lot of opinions. And then a sort of bell curve develops and you can discard the outliers, but there tend to be um, common threads where you can, um, you, can, you can evaluate how successfully you're um, communicating what you're trying to. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point because, and I've heard this before, if someone, someone makes a comment or a complaint on average, 10 people are thinking it and they're just not voicing it and how often you can pick up on this bell curve, right? When you really listen, because a lot of those points will repeat. Well, I I, I think maybe it was Richard Malby. Somebody said that every individual audience member is wrong, but all together they're right. I love that. Um, Yeah. And, and I, yeah, and I think that's accurate. If you ask one person, you're likely to get a, his or her own agenda. 
and ways of looking at things that aren't necessarily um, appropriate or useful. But if you listen to a lot of people, you can start to hear where you as a communicator are not yet succeeding. Yeah, that yeah, that makes total sense. I'm I am curious uh, the relationship with Paul Schaefer and having him jump in a God spell. I don't know why this is a particular question I wrote down <laughs> in my research. I am curious. I'm also this is also, it's going to be a larger question on your views of relationships in the industry, particularly with Paul. How did that begin? Um, Paul came in when we were auditioning for the Toronto production of Godspell. And he accompanied um, a couple of people. And I think the young woman he was accompanying initially got into the show, but he was clearly such an extraordinary keyboard player. And we hadn't hired our band yet. And so I asked him to, um, to stay and play the rest of the auditions. And then would he be interested in, in doing the show? And that's how it began. I also had that experience with Alex Lacamoire, um, who I originally met because he was playing auditions and again, was so extraordinary that, um, I asked him to start um, working with me. I think I have a pretty good eye or maybe ear for very talented musicians. Mm-hmm. And if I spot them early on, I try to co-opt them until they get too big for me. <laughs> Cause it will happen. No, 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 no. It does. It always happens. <laughs> they always like go on to grander things, but I get the, the, the use of their talent for, for a while anyway. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 